0: Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. Stories of old have great meaning for us. Throwback is a series looking at the lives of biblical characters from long ago and how we still face the same challenges today. Hopefully we can learn from them, avoid some of their mistakes, and repeat some of their victories. Just as Jesus took 12 ordinary men and raised them up to be apostles who changed the world, Just as Abraham had 318 trained men in his household, and just as Paul took a young man, Timothy, and raised him up to pastor the church in Ephesus. Here at Grace Life, we also believe the best model for finding ministry leaders is not hiring based on a resume, but raising up within our own family, helping each other to become all that God has called us to be. So, For these three weeks, we're giving this opportunity to some of the young men God is raising up here at Grace Life. I'm asking you to join me and extend your best support and encouragement. Let's clap for them, let's shout for them, and let's show them how much we believe in them and all that God is doing in their lives. Good morning, guys. Good morning, guys. Welcome to Grace Life. I am not Jimmy. We look very similar, I know, but I'm not Jimmy. Uh, my name is Brett, and I'm the worship and creative pastor here at Grace Life. And uh, I just have the greatest job in the world to pursue God through music, be able to speak. I tell you what, I just want to say thank you to Jimmy for giving me this opportunity to speak to you guys again. Uh, you guys are my family. I love you guys. And it's an awesome time to be able to speak to my family about important stuff. Jimmy is not here this week. He's actually in Orangeburg at Embark Church. Uh, it's one of our sister churches that uh, planted down there a few years ago, and they've recently gone through a difficult time. Uh, if you have a business or if you have a, you know a, something that you do and you have that one key person that, that you wouldn't know what you would do without that person, well, at Embark Church, that person... Um, died uh tragically and, and so jimmy's down there to to preach and to help that church and and to uh to give them vision and, and, and to help out. It's great that we belong and a part of a spiritual family that we go and we help each other and, and we love on each other and we support each other. And so that's where Jimmy is this weekend. And um I get the opportunity to kick off a new series. I'm really excited about this series. It's called Throwback. Now you have stories, I have stories. This whole room has a whole bunch of stories. I'd love to hear them all at some point. And you know what? The older I get and the more experiences I have, the more I realize that the Bible stories that I just knew as a child really have so much wisdom for the things that I face in my life, for the challenges I face in my life, and for the issues I face in my life. There's so much wisdom we can gain. They're not just Bible stories. They're wisdom for us. And so what's going to be fun these next few weeks is that we, we get to talk about a story of ourselves, something we've gone through and also talk about a throwback story, a story from the Bible that we can gain knowledge and gain wisdom and how that we can live our lives more like Christ and how God and who God is. So you guys ready to go? All right, I'm excited about this. Here we go. So when Jimmy asked me to do this a, a little while ago, you know, I'm 35 now and and that's not old yet, but it's not young yet anymore, as I feel as I get up in the mornings. And, um, you know, by the time you're 35, you get a handful of, of stories. You've been through a few things, and you've gone through a few challenges. And, and so I was trying to think, well, what story do I use? Do I use this story? I oh, could, could use this story, maybe. I really just didn't know what to talk about. And so I started praying, and one story just kept coming to mind, kept coming to mind, kept coming to mind. And we just went through this series about hearing God's voice, right? And so I was like, all right, God, I'll say that. It's you speaking to me, and that's the, that's the story I need to bring today. So that, this story first starts, you have to meet a 15-year-old Brett, right? A 15-year-old Brett. Yeah, he didn't know. Over- this is a real throwback, right? 15-year-old Brett, and he had just found out about the classical guitar, and it rocked his world, fell in love with it, its music, its technique, and at 15, I knew God wanted me to be a professor of music. I'd never been to college, had no idea what a professor did, but I knew that's what I wanted to do. I knew that's what God had called me to be. And so from 15 years on, every decision I made, every choice, every thing I had to, had, to, had to figure out, I made with a decision in mind of what would a professor choose? What would a professor choose? So out of all the colleges I got into, which one would a professor go to? He wouldn't go to the small college. He'd go to the difficult college, right? Okay, let's do there. All right, what courses this semester? If I have these, these options, which one would a professor choose? Well, he wouldn't choose the easy courses. They would choose the difficult choices courses, right? The, the hard professors that you hear about, horror stories from your classmates that are ahead of you. This person, don't take their class because their tests are incredibly difficult. But I took them. Because I knew that's what a professor would do. I knew that a professor was going to have to get his master's degree. So I came down here. That's what brought me down to South Carolina is to start my master's degree at USC. Woohoo! I wonder if I'd get some noise on that. I wasn't sure. Hey, there we go. I was here at USC, and I got my master's degree in music. And then I also knew that if you're going to be a professor, if you're going to make this a life choice, you can't just stop there. You have to get your doctorate. And so I started my doctoral program. Elaine and I had just gotten married around that time. And every decision I made was, what would a professor do? What would a professor choose? Because I knew what God had called me to do, was to be a music professor somewhere in the United States. I had no idea where. All right, so let's fast forward to a 33-year-old Brett. This is a few years ago. And now I'm at the end of my doctorate. I only have my dissertation and a few things left. And now it's time, now it's time to put almost two decades of work to its purpose. Now it's time to write that resume and see how thick it is and see how awesome it is and all the courses and the classes and the places I've played and all this stuff. It's time to send it out to all the job applications I could find and see where God's going to place me, see where I'm going to land. It was really exciting. It's a culmination of a lot of work. So, what I did is a part, really, literally, it was a part time job applying for all these jobs. I sent out over 60 applications to different jobs from the biggest of cities to literally the tiniest little towns in Iowa. Like, you've never heard of these places. The only job I did not apply for was a job for a professorship in Japan. And I talked to Elaine about that. She's like, why don't we just at least keep it in the continental United States? You know what I mean? We have family and friends. Japan's pretty far away. And I was like, but they have tea. Tea is awesome. But <laughs> it's all right. If you know me, I love tea. So that's the only one I didn't apply for. So I applied to all these jobs. Over 18 months of work applying these jobs. And you know what happened? Nothing. Nothing happened. Not one single interview. Not one single callback. The only communication I ever got from a, a university was the, bl- the letter and the email. It says, Thank you for applying, but we have found someone else to give your dream job to. Wow, those, those are fun. I really hated my email for quite a while. Nothing happened. And I would love to stand here today and say, you know what, I just had this faith. I trusted God and, you know, all these things happened. But you know what, the truth of the matter is, I was angry. I was mad. God and I had some really interesting conversations during this time. So I let God know how disappointed I was. I had worked for almost two decades. This is something you put in my heart. I worked hard. I said no to so many things so that I could come to this point and you disappear on me. Where did you go? Why did you do this to me? Why did you bring me down to South Carolina to come down here and then to totally come up dry? I kept fell into that actual depression. It's a really, really, really difficult season in my life. What I didn't see was God was working out a provision and protection in my life that in the midst of my struggle, he was still good. You know, the throwback story that that came to mind when we're looking at struggle and and not knowing where God is in your life and finding difficult moments and not knowing when they're going to end or not knowing what God's going to do with this situation that might never end. The person that that comes to my mind is Joseph. Joseph, the, the story of Joseph. Now, if you don't know Joseph, let me catch you up on Joseph a little bit. You see, God wanted to reveal himself and his goodness to a group of people. So he came to Abraham, and he made a covenant with him and said, Through you, all your descendants, a great nation will come, and I will be with you. You will be my people, and I will be your God. And I will show the rest of the world my goodness and my love and my provision through your people. So Jacob or so um, Abraham had his son Isaac, and Isaac had his son, Jacob, and Jacob had his son Joseph. So Joseph's only the great grandson of the original promise keeper, the person that God promises to. He's only a great grandson, he's only a few generations away. And Joseph had a really great life growing up. He was the favored son of his father because of who his mother was. He had great gifts of being able to interpret dreams. His, his dad thought he was so great that he actually gave him a, a, a cool set of clothes that literally visually set him apart from all of his brothers and everyone around him. He had a great life. But then it all changed at one point. His brothers got jealous of him and hated what he was doing and, and, and hated that he was a favorite son, so they decided to kill him. In the last second, they decided not to. They said, well, we can make some money off of this instead of just killing him. We'll make some money off of this and we'll just sell him into slavery that'll be a little better so joseph gets sold into slavery and taken to egypt and someone purchases him and brings him into his house and if you read reading the story he starts to rise in prominence in the house and he becomes a very trusted and loyal servant and if you're reading the story you're like well he went through a tough time but at least now he's good he's he's something's good's happening well the, the master's wife tries to sleep with him. And Joseph, knowing that who he was and who God's called him to be, said no. And because of that, she lied and said he tried to rape her. So he was unjustly thrown into jail now. So he's sold into slavery. He's thrown into jail and falsely accused. And then we continue in the story, he starts again, just like in, in the a master's house. He starts rising up. In importance again even in jail you think okay well he's gone through some really difficult times but at least at least in jail he's even he's coming to a good place there and he helps one of pharaoh's uh, servants get out of jail and he said hey when you get out of jail do not forget me don't forget that i'm here don't forget that i helped you guess what the guy did he forgot him for two years, he forgot him. He sits in jail, sold into slavery, unjustly accused, jailed, and forgotten. Joseph had some struggles in his life. If you know the rest of the story, what happens is, is there's a great, the, uh, Joseph gets called into the Pharaoh's house because he had a dream and he cannot No one can interpret it. And and because Joseph has that gift, he was able to interpret it and said, You're going to have seven great years of harvest, followed by seven great years of famine. And so the Pharaoh said, You are in charge of making sure that you store all the grain and all the provisions so that we will not starve during the seven years of famine. And he made him number two only to Pharaoh himself. So I guess you could call him, he was like vice pharaoh or something like that, if, if that's his government structure. He became vice pharaoh. And in a handful of years, in the, during the famine, the famine affected his family. And so since Egypt was the hub of, of where everyone came to get grain to survive, his family comes down. And he finally is able to see and save his family, but not only, I think about this, not only his family, he saves the entire nation of Israel. And he sees the reason for his struggle. He sees the reason why he went through what he did. So guys, thank you very much for coming. So trust God and just stick it out in your struggle. We're good to go. You guys are going to make Moe's in record time today. I tell you what, during my struggle, if I had one more well-intending, loving person come to me and just say, just trust God, I might have gone postal on them. See, although I knew that in my heart, and I knew that in my mind, it did not penetrate into my soul. Because God called me to do this, and I worked towards it, and then I was abandoned. Yeah, God's good. I wish he'd be good to me. And when we read stories like Joseph, you know, we can get through his entire story, his almost entire life in just a few chapters, sit down for 15 minutes, and you got his whole story. And so many times when we read the Bible, we see stories like this, and we say, well, that's great for him. He saw the reason of his struggle. He saw the reason why he went through all those things, and so he got closure and peace, and he understood what God was doing in his life. I don't know if that's going to happen to me. I don't know in the middle of my struggle, I'm going to see why I'm here. I'm not going to see why I'm sick. I'm not going to see why I have that difficult relationship. I don't see why I lost my job. I don't know if I'm ever going to see the reason why. Joseph did, that's great. How does that apply to me? Here's what's cool. If you look very carefully, you can see Joseph started a process of peace in his life before he knew why. Before he knew the reason that he, his whole story was to save the entire nation of Israel, before he saw and knew any of that, Joseph started to make a process of peace with his relationship with God, with his circumstances, and with his past. I think there's power in that, and that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to be in Genesis 41:50. We're just going to look at a couple of verses today. He made a process of peace, and it started with the birth of... Of his first son. Here's what verse 50 says. It says, During this time, before the first of the famine years. So, before, remember, his family came in during the famine. This is before even the beginning of the famine. During this time, before the first of the famine years, two sons were born to Joseph and his wife Anasseth, a daughter of Potipharah and the priest of On. Joseph named his older son Manasseth, for he said, This is what his his name means. God has made me forget all my trouble and everyone in my father's family. So here's what I see Joseph doing. When we're going through a struggle, when he was going through a struggle in his, in his life, many struggles, we have to make a mark. We have to make a mark. And what Joseph did is he took the time, the the amazing time that marks your life anyway when you become a father for the very first time. He took that opportunity and made a mark and named his son the decision that he made. The decision that he made was God is good. God is good. His love and His grace is bigger than my past. I am going to forget the things of the past. I'm going to mark my son with the name of my decision. Now, you got to think of why didn't he just decide this? Why did he give his son this name, Manasseh? Why did he name his son? Well, I think he's human because you and know I are human and we can get some insight just by being human. How many times in your life when you have a struggle, or I can't count the many times during, during this time of my life where. I woke up, and maybe I got a really great sleep that night. I'm feeling good, and the birds are chirping, and there's bright sun, and I'm thinking, okay, today, I'm going to make peace with things today. I'm going to do it today. I made the decision. I made, I'm going to make peace today. And in my 10 a.m., some thought entered your brain. Someone said something to you, and you've lost it. You've lost your decision. It's because this is not a one-time decision. You make a mark. You do not make a decision. You make decisions day by day, hour by hour, moment by moment. This is what I am going to do. I will forget what is behind me and I will look forward because my God is good. He made a mark. He named his son this. Every time he saw his son, he was reminded of his choice. Every time he said his son's name, he was reminded of his choice. He made a mark. He made a decision to make the decision the next moment and the next and the next. He made a mark. He started a process of peace without knowing his why, the story he went through. He started a process of peace without knowing why. The next thing we can learn, I think we can get even more insight with the name of his second son. And that continues on in the next verse. It says, Joseph named his second son Ephraim for he said, and this is what his name means God has made me fruitful in this land of my grief. God has made me fruitful in this land of my grief. See, what I think, you know, there's a few months, year, or whatever, or two years between his first and his second son. And you can see Joseph's growth in his decision. So when we're going through this time, I believe he started to grow in trust. He started to grow in trust. He started to seek out the good. He started to seek out and be intentional about the good around him. Even if you start at, that's a beautiful rock. Good job, God. That's a beautiful rock. Start there. Move on. Find something else. That's a beautiful tree. Thank you for letting me see it. He started to pursue and be intentional with finding the good around him. God has made me fruitful. God has made me fruitful. Every time he called his son's name. God has made me fruitful. I will focus my eyes on that. God has made me fruitful. He still has no clue why his struggles were, why? He still has no clue about the purpose of what he went through. But yet he's there. He's starting a process of peace. You know, one of my favorite things, I have two boys as well. One of my favorite things to do is when I get to go home and I unlock the door and it creaks when I open and I hear two voices, dad, dad, and they run and there's really a pitter-patter of feet. That's not just a phrase, that's a sound. That's a sound description, plop, 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 plop. Little Flintstone feet hitting the floor. That's a sound that I love. They say, Maddox, rain, I'm home. They come over and give me hugs or grab my legs or whatever or run from me and I chase them. I can just imagine Joseph as a father coming home and saying, Manasseh, Ephraim, I'm home. And what he is doing he's reminding himself, God is good. I am not my past. God is good. I am not my past. I will keep my decisions in front of my eyes and on my lips because there's no way I can get through this by deciding this once. This is a constant decision that I am making, and I will make a mark, and I will find the good in my situation without knowing why I'm here. Manasseh, Ephraim, Manasseh, Ephraim—constant reminders of his decision. I think one of the last things we can we can gain from seeing how he named his sons and how he started a process of peace in his life and his circumstances. It's the second half of the name of his second son. You know, the first half, he says, God has made me fruitful. And he didn't say after that, awesome. God has made me fruitful, so I'm good. God has made me fruitful. So all that stuff in the past, I don't even remember. It's numb. It didn't exist. No. He said, God has made me fruitful. Where? In the land of my grief. Joseph was honest about where he was he was seeking the good but he was honest about where he was so many times we pursue things to numb what we do we pursue success i'm successful so all that stuff doesn't matter anymore or i'm, I'm this so this doesn't matter anymore or we'll, or we'll put on the classic uh mask to people the the answer hey how you doing and the automatic answer is i'm fine great i'm good when you are totally not Or maybe you put that mask on in front of yourself in the mirror and say, no, we're good, we're good, we're good, we're good, we're good, we're good. Just keep thinking that, we're good. Or maybe you put a mask on between you and God. Say, God, we're good. We don't need to talk about anything. Let's just leave that where it is. I don't don't need you on this. I'll just figure it out. He was real. The thing we can learn is that he was honest with his pain. Be honest with your pain. Going through struggle is difficult. You don't have to lie about it. You don't have to say, no, that really didn't hurt, or you're wincing inside. He made a mark. He searched the good, and he was honest with himself. I think those are three very important keys that we can take when we go into a difficult time, or if we're in a difficult time today, or you can look back at a difficult time. You know, the questions we have to ask ourselves is this, during a time of struggle, what would your life, life look like in the middle of your struggle if you made a mark? What would your life look like if you made a decision, and then another decision, and then another decision, and then the same decision again, and again, and again? What do your circumstances look like if you started to grow in trust? Little by little by little by little, just grow in Trust. Or, what peace could you bring your struggle if you could just be honest with your pain? If you could be honest with God, if you could be honest with a friend about where you're at, don't try to cover it up, mask it up. What peace could you bring yourself if you're just honest with yourself about where you are, where you've been? Start a process of peace. Start a process of peace. You know, those 18 months were really difficult. A lot of struggle. But looking back in my life, I started a process of peace with my circumstances and with God on a couch on a Friday afternoon with Elaine. She was about six months, maybe six months and a week or two, pregnant with Rain, our second son. I came in, I sat on the couch, and I said the unthinkable, which was, for me at the time, What if we stayed in Columbia? (laughs) This was. You can ask anyone at Grace Life who knew me at that time, they'd ask me, how are things going? And I would say, well, I don't know where I'm going to be, but the one thing I know is that I won't be here. (laughs) Hey, guys. (laughs) I knew that. That's the one thing I knew. So I said the unthinkable. What if we stayed here? And what if I start leading worship again? If we stay here, we'll get a house, we'll start leading worship again. Maybe I need to start making peace with where I'm at, with God, and my circumstance. And here's what I didn't know. That God was working out a powerful story of provision in my life that I didn't see. I didn't understand what was going on. In the middle of my frustration and anger with God and, and the difficult conversations we had, God was good and I didn't even know it. Because here's what I didn't know. You guys know my wife. She plays on the drums and she was the uh, person telling you about Serve Week uh, a little bit earlier. Love my wife. Well, you might not know this guy, though, as well. This guy is Rain. This is our second son, I decided to pick a picture of him in his natural state, which is a dirty face. <laughs> you'll clean it, and you'll turn around and be like, where would you find that much dirt in the house? We, we have a pretty clean house. Where did you find that? This is rain. And what I did know when I sat down on that couch and started a process of peace that God was providing for him and my wife. See, what we didn't know, that Elaine had a syndrome called HELP syndrome, it affects 0.03% of all births, 0.03, that's like lottery winning percentages. And I found myself three weeks later on a Monday morning, 3 I'm holding a three-year-old Maddox in the ER with my wife who I've seen go through natural birth and then this was a pain level on another scope. She was in so much pain and we found out she was in full liver failure. sure would like a good God then. (laughs) I had one. Because what I didn't know in my frustration that I was still here, I didn't know that God had us already at the hospital, the one hospital in Columbia and the surrounding area that even treats this. We were already there. Didn't know it. The doctor that was on call that night just saw this rare syndrome the week before and was reminded of the one test that you can run to find out this is help syndrome. Because the dangers of this syndrome is that it masks itself on typical pregnancy issues, and so people don't catch it, and then really bad results happen because of that. And I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if I was in the middle of Iowa or Idaho or anywhere else that I was, the chances of a good intending doctor not to run the right test are astronomical. And Maddox and I would have a very different reality than we do today. Little did I know that the best NICU around was at that hospital, and all Rain had to do when he was taken out was go up one flight of stairs. That's all he had to go. He didn't have to be medevaced anywhere. They had to take him on a short elevator ride, and he was where he needed to be to get the treatment that he needed to survive. God was working a powerful provision in my life, in the midst of my struggle. I've never been more grateful for so many rejections in my life than I am today. Each one of those knows I almost should put it on my wall and say, thank you, Jesus, for what you did. Because you knew more than me. You knew more than what I understand. You are good. I would have chosen to be rejected if I had your knowledge. If I knew what you knew, I wouldn't want any of the jobs. I would stay in Columbia. Columbia. And there was provision about how we paid for a big bill, and there was provision how we got a house and we got it just goes on and on. I'm back at Grace Life on staff. A church that I love. God is so good. And so what I did is I made a mark. It's right here. I made a mark. I decided to tattoo myself so I'll never forget the goodness of God. What this is, it's an arrow with two ribbons, and each ribbon represents one of my boys. And it's in a pseudo-infinite sign because what my family does is going to have impact for eternity. What my boys are going to do is going to have an impact for eternity. And the reason why this is an arrow is that go back now See how God how cool God is. Go back to before Maddox was born, before we even had our first child. And, then, and Maddox, uh, uh, Elaine was literally a week or a few days away from getting birth to Maddox. So if you know my wife, she is very obviously pregnant. And someone in our network came to me and said, Hey, I, got a word, I believe I got a word from God for you. And he told us, and it just, it just God just blew my mind on what he had to say to us. He said, well, let let me pray over you. And he prayed over us. And one of the things he prayed, he said, as God adds children to your family like arrows in a quiver, his protection and his providence will increase. He didn't know it. I didn't know it. But he was praying for rain in that moment. Because protection and providence increased when rain showed up in the midst of my anger and frustration. God was still good. And so that's why I decided to never forget. Never forget. I made a mark. Also, just a little cool little tidbit. We named Rain before he showed up. I had totally forgotten about this prayer. And Rain's middle name is Archer. Totally forgot about it. Totally forgot about it. And it wasn't until several months later that I remembered the prayer. I remember God's promise that he spoke to us. And then I remember my son's middle name. It's like, God, you're awesome. So he is marked with the promise of provision from our good God. God is good. In the middle of your struggle, he's working out a provision for you. Whether you see the end of it I don't know. But you need to start making a process of peace in your life, with your circumstances, your past, and with God. You know, we're talking a lot about trust today, and it's, tru- it's difficult to trust someone that you don't know. If I don't know you, I can't trust you. And if you don't know who God is, how can you, how can you trust him? So what I want to do today is invite you to start a relationship with him, to test him and find out he is good, that he loves you, that he loved you so much he died on the cross for you, for you, for you. If you guys just join me in a prayer, there's nothing magical about this. It's just simply recognizing who God is. Dear Jesus, we love you. Thank you so much for your provision, God. Thank you for your provision that before I was born that you died on the cross for me. Thank you for taking my sin and my shame and giving me your righteousness, God. Thank you for finding a way so that I can be right with you again. Thank you for your gift of eternal life and your provision and your love for me, God. Lord, you died for me, so I want to live for you, Father. I want to proclaim your name from this moment forth in my life. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Grace Life Podcast. For more information about us, you can go to gracelife.me. That's gracelife.me. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Me. and on Twitter at gracelifechurch.